Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. Someone was just asking me um, if uh, how some of the people, I was sharing some stories last night of some of the miracles and some of the amazing things that Holy Spirit is doing. And uh, someone was just asking me, hey, how's Makarita? And I, and I was just sharing to you guys, just Makarita is going so well. She was the lady that I first met at 9.30 in the morning, drinking the cheapest beer you can get, I think, the Ranfurlies. And um, already drunk, starting to get drunk at 9.30 in the morning. The transformation that we're seeing in her life is so phenomenal. We went to her home about three weeks ago on Thursday. Power of the Spirit came into her house. She was just snotting and crying everywhere, just messed up by Jesus in such a radical way. The wind of God blew into her home. All sorts of crazy things happened. But I didn't tell you this part of the story that um, when I was Praying in the suburb, I actually went into a vision as I walked past these flats that are just renowned for sin, renowned for alcoholism, domestic violence. Um, just most of the people are alcoholics, generational alcoholism and drugs. And uh, all sorts of crazy stuff happens there. They have the police regularly visiting those flats. And um, But I, had, I went into the, this, a quick flash of a vision as I was praying past the place. And I heard the voice of the Lord speak to me and say, Andy, those that sit in darkness have seen a great light. And then I saw in the darkness light beginning to come. And I knew that God wanted to do signs and wonders in that area. Anyway, so... So it was so awesome that um, I met these women in that area straight after that vision flashed before me. And then I went to visit Makarita's house. I was mildly disappointed that uh, her house actually was over the road. It wasn't in those flats. I thought it was in the flats because that's where I met her. But anyway, another story is, I'll I'll get back to that. Um, um, God is just starting to move. Like God is moving in our, in, our, in our environment, in our city. He's moving. And we have people that come from, they drive um, long ways. And one of them comes all the way from the West Coast. Now, we're in a th- quite a thin area of our nation. So it's about an hour 15 drive that she drives um, to our church every Sunday just because she's ravenous for the Lord and because God's doing some stuff with us and people Honestly, wise men still follow Jesus. And wise women still still like follow Jesus and come to Jesus. And um and so she was just traveling from Dargaville on the west coast to us on the east coast for a couple of months. But she had actually originally grown up on the east coast. I won't mention her name because I want to keep this a little bit confidential. And um and she hated she hated it because she grew up there in the very suburb that Makarita was from. It's called Otangare. And it, um, the reason why she hated it was she walked um, out the back door of her home one day and her youngest sister, um, her youngest sister had, had uh, committed suicide. And she was the first to witness that at the back door of her home which is horrible, but shows you how much light we need in our nation. And we are the light bringers. And we don't have a darkness problem. Darkness does darkness. That's what darkness does. But when you turn on the lights, 
it lights up the darkness. It's, it's a light that we need to bring. And so because of that, um, she was in so much pain and anguish and the trauma from Utangare and Fangare uh, was too much for her. She never wanted to come. In fact, her family said to her, because she had actually um, had a, a, an attempt of suicide herself a few months before that, and praise God, she failed at that attempt. And um, the family had got together and they actually said she was next in line to lead the family. Um, and and um, they said, we, you're not going to lead the family because you're the reason why she suicided because you put that thought into her. And so how many know that's some massive guilt, you know, that you're carrying? But about maybe four weeks ago, she was, uh, she's, she was driving to, uh, twice a week to come out to from Dargaville to, to be part of what the Spirit of God is doing. And she actually had the Spirit of God asked her to just let it go and begin to love Fangare. And she said it was, I don't know how this works, but she said it was like a helmet of bowling balls came off her and snot and tears, Spirit of God came on her and she uh, repented and she forgave Fangare. She forgave and all of a sudden, she fell in love with Fangare again. And she wanted to move back into Otangere, the place that she was traumatized from. Anyway, so that encounter had on a, happened on a Monday night, four or five weeks ago. And um, a woman from our church came up to her on the Sunday, six days later, and said, Hi, I haven't met you. Tell me about your journey. And so this was fresh for her. And so she said, um, I've just had this encounter and I, all of a sudden I love Whangarei and I want to move to Otangarei. And the woman that she was talking to said, you don't know who you're talking to, do you? And she said, no, I have no idea. She says, I am the manager of Housing New Zealand and I oversee Otangarei. She made a few calls that, that, that next Monday and supernaturally, God has installed, I went into that vision, saw a light coming to darkness, just had the meeting with her just on uh, Wednesday. And uh, we were strategizing how we can set up a light in that environment. And we're going to see incredible things. We're already starting to see incredible harvest <laughs> taking place. And, and Makarita is going amazing. She's going amazing uh, on Sunday. So that's right in her area. Um, these people are just hungry. And it is so refreshing. And there is first love in the air. And it's uh, inspiring our people that have been around Jesus for a little while. And, but I believe that, you know, we don't need to leave our first love behind. I believe that um, we can live... Um, in the Father's house, there is a place for us, but it's not speaking only to the afterlife. Right. Yes, it is speaking to the afterlife, but not a full stop. Uh, it's speaking to a present tense reality that you and I in this room, when Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. You trust in me also. In my Father's house, 
there are many rooms. In other words, there's space for you in the Father's house. But that is not speaking just exclusively to the afterlife. That's speaking to a present tense reality that you can encounter on a day-by-day basis. I woke up this morning and I began to encounter that I was in the Father's house and that there's space, a room for me. There's a room being made for you in the Father's house where you're valued, where you're safe, where you're significantly important and you're just accepted and you belong and you don't need to perform to earn the love. You just have it. And uh, God is in the room. Um, One more quick story. Um, And God is in the room right now, by the way. Wow. You're valuable to him. You're so valuable. Wow. Hallelujah. Um, I get distracted by the presence of the Lord, which I think is a good distraction to have. There's There's a rest that you find when you realize there's a room prepared for you in the Father's house that's got your name on it that you don't need to work for, but you just have. And you can feel the Spirit of God in the room right here, right now, releasing rest into the room and value into the room. So it's a great privilege and an honor for me to be amongst you. Um, I feel humbled and blessed to have the privilege of sharing um, the goodness of Papa, how wonderful he is. He's so good. Oh, my goodness. He's so good. Um, Thank you so much, Gideon and Catherine, for inviting me. Uh, It's truly a great joy to be your friends and uh, to serve you both. I have so much respect and honor in my heart flowing to you. And I really believe in you guys. And I'm really grateful for uh, what you've established here in Christchurch, believing God for uh, a move of God's spirit and a harvest of souls. And I believe uh, we cannot use the excuse that we're a presence-orientated church to say, oh, no, we're a presence church. We don't see harvest. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Oh, no, we, 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 we're, we're, we, we love the presence of the Lord. We just go deep. That is, and we don't see a harvest. Oh, my goodness, man. Like, people are longing for the presence of the Lord. And he is beautiful. And uh, I believe that uh, what God is doing is he's raising up churches that love and celebrate and honor the presence of the Lord, but also believe in a mighty harvest of souls. And I think that there's a marking here for this. So praise God. Um, we, We had a leaders meeting on Tuesday night. I was hearing from one of our leaders, our new Christians coordinator, he was telling me another couple that have just given their hearts to the Lord. They've been struggling because just coming out of so much darkness and the river of the generational culture of, of darkness and alcoholism and drugs is, 
is, uh, how many know we actually need Jesus? We need a, we need a move of Jesus. We need, a, we need a Jesus movement. Like, I love the seven mountains. I love the seven mountains. I love influencing society with the kingdom, all of that stuff. But don't forget about salvation to Jesus Christ. And honestly, as the kingdom comes into an area, the kingdom is just fantasy if it doesn't have subjects. And God is the Father, and He's wanting to extend His family. And that is the reaching out of the lost sons and daughters that they would come home. That they would come home. Many are doing it right now. And uh, we're in this harvest season. I'm getting distracted by the harvest. Holy Spirit, bring it forth. Um, and so the reason why this couple was struggling was, A, because they've come out of drugs and alcohol and gangs, but also one of them developed a boil on her face that had swollen so much that it was distorting her face. And our new Christians coordinator went to their house, saw it. She was sort of ashamed of this big boil and mass on her face. He laid hands on her. He laid hands on her, and then in the name of Jesus, commanded that she be healed. Nothing happened. But he, was, he stood in faith, and uh, the presence of God was there. Anyway, uh, he went and visited them on uh, Monday or Tuesday, just this week, and um, um, heard the rest of the story. The, the boil had completely disappeared. Her face was no longer distorted, because what happened was she went to bed that night. This is a bit gross. It exploded on her, over her pillow and leaked out all over her pillow that night. And she was healed by the evening of the next day. Isn't that crazy? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, right. Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> oh, one of the, one of the, um, one of the, um, Oh, I just started, I'm thinking about tumors now dissolving and, and, and exploding out of people. And one of the, the funnest stories I have on that was when I was in, in Redding, California, um, we were in the healing school, in the healing room, sorry, there was a woman that had a brain tumor. She had a brain tumor and um, I remember they were praying for her about two meters away from us. And I hear this big kerfuffle, and they're saying, quick, 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 get tissues. Quick, 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 get tape, paper towels, get tissues. Get quick, quick, quick. Because what had happened was, as the parrot god came into her brain, it exploded the tumor, and it began to leak out of her ear and was leaking out of her ear. It was the size of, how big was it? The size of a golf ball. She went and got scans done. And, it, and they said it was the size of like a small seed. It was totally benign and she was completely healed. Isn't that crazy? So good. I remember um, I, I, you were talking about I was in Indonesia and it wasn't 40,000. It was 10,000. That's all right. I forgive you, Gideon. I forgive you. Maybe it's going to become 40, he's saying. That's right. He was prophesying. He didn't get it wrong. He was prophesying. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good cover right there. And uh, I was doing um, Pentecost um, week with them. And um, 
And, and, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me on a Wednesday morning and said, Andy, I want you to just look at my face. And then I just want you to look at the people. And with the face that you see me looking at them. And so I preached about um, how the glory of God is as we see it in the face of Jesus Christ. And then the face of Jesus Christ, the way he looks at us, oh my goodness, he's just, yeehaw, he's just, when you see his face and the way he looks at you, you, you see um, that he believes in you. You see that you have what it takes. You forget all the lies that say, you know, who am I to rise up? Who am I to be great? And you see something in those eyes that says something like, I believe in you. I love you. I embrace you. And it, you feel like you can sort of change the world or something because the creator believes in you. But it's easy to forget that. It's why we constantly need to just be beholding him and in his presence and, and just asking to see more of how he sees us. And the uh, Spirit of God spoke to me on a Wednesday morning. It was quite a volatile time because terrorist bombs uh, were going off in churches. Three churches were bombed by radical Muslims on the other side of the island. And, um, and so I, I, the Holy Spirit said, Andy, just look at them. And so that night in the altar call when I came forward, I didn't speak any words. This is one of my favorite moments of all my ministry life, like a pinnacle moment, like, God, let me live in this place. Um, the altar call came forward. Maybe a hundred or so people had come forward. It was during the weekend. And um, I just looked at the Father. An anointing came as I saw the Father's face. And then I somehow a grace came that I was able to mimic his face and look at them. I didn't say any words and just... They were just falling out under the power of God just from a look. And a woman came and she had a tumor in her stomach. She had a tumor. It was in her ovaries and her stomach. She could feel it. And it was about the size of a golf ball. I just looked at the father and just looked at her. No words. And just the power of God hit her. She fell on the floor. She got back up about five minutes later. I said, how's, how's it doing? She was pushing for the tumor. It had shrunk half the size. And she was crying and she had received um, such a miracle breakthrough from the presence of the Lord. I looked at her a second time just with that look of the Father, just this grace empowerment. And uh, she fell under the power of God again. She got back up after five minutes and she could no longer find the tumor. There's something to be said for it not being the words that you say, but the presence that you release. And each of us have this incredible honor to be presence carriers, to host the very presence of the Lord. And I want to speak about that today. I want to, I want to, I want to talk about that, um, about our role as, as, as presence carrying people and what that means. I want to start with a story back 500 years ago. Uh, sorry, 500 years before Christ. And uh, there was this tyrannical, wicked king. He was the king of Rome before Rome became a republic and eventually an empire. He was the last king, actually. His name was Lucius Superbus. 
and it was about 500 years before Christ, and they were conquering cities. And there was this one city that they had conquered, and his son, as a general in his army, was in that city. But this city called Gabi, under this wicked king's rule from Rome, uh, was in rebellion. They were in a revolt. And um, so the son, he sent messengers back to the king. I don't know if you've heard this story. There's a reason why I'm sharing it, because it affects us. This story, 500 years before Christ, affects us today in Christchurch right now. And uh, the son sent a messenger back to the king in Rome and said, Hey, the messenger said, "Um, your son has sent me. Uh, The army is there. What to do? Gabi, the city, is in revolt. And the king took the messenger into his garden. And he had his royal stick. And there were um, the pop, there were these, uh, there was this, these flowers in this garden, red flowers. And some of the flowers had grown up a little higher than the other flowers. And in front of the messenger, the king, without saying anything, just took the stick and just lopped off the tall flowers that were sticking up above the other flowers. Didn't say anything else. He did not want to be implicated. And so the messenger went back confused and said, hey, the king said nothing. And the son said, who knew his dad, said, well, what did he do? He said, he took me into his garden, lopped off the tallest flowers in that red flower garden. And um, the, the son, the general, knew exactly what to do to quench the revolt. He, uh, that, he began to um, just kill every single aristocrat, every single influential person, every single person that had influence, wealth, or aristocracy, uh, they began to kill. And they left the, the other people that were just like the common people. Um, but how many know what took place there was the revolt that was rising up was instantly quenched. And that is the inception, the etymology of what we come to know today as the tall poppy syndrome. Its inception is from a demonized, pagan-worshipping, demonic king with a bent on oppression and murder. And so when we as the people of God tolerate that thing and we just say, oh, it's just a part of our culture, No, it's not just a part of our culture. It's a demonic thing. And we have no right as the church of God to partner with the demonic. And I want to talk about another king right now. I want to talk about King David again. I want to pick up the story that I began last night when David in 1 Chronicles 13, those of you that have Bibles, you can open it up to that. I read the passage of Scripture last night. Let me summarize for those of you that weren't here. He wanted to bring the ark from the edge of the city, geographically, the, sorry, the edge of Judah, actually, in Kiriath-Jirim. And he wanted to bring it into the very centerpiece of the city. And not only did he want to do it geographically, but he wanted to do it into the consciousness of his nation so that his nation would be thinking about the very ark or the presence of the Lord for where the ark was, the presence was. And the ark wasn't just a metaphor 
for the presence of God, the ark, God was there. God was there. And they took the ark on the back of a oxen cart. And the cart stumbles halfway towards the city of Jerusalem to Mount Zion, where he set up the tabernacle of David, the open plan, veilless tabernacle of celebration and praise. And um, the Uzzah, a man by the name of Uzzah, reaches out his hand to make sure the ark doesn't hit the ground and the anger of the Lord comes out and he's struck dead. And then the ark ends up in this man's house right around that area by the name of Obed-Edom. And it's in Obed-Edom's house for three months. And David, in the scriptures, it says, and David had the fear of the Lord that day. And it's the first mention of David having the fear of the Lord. And then David is beginning to go into a season of three months where he's asking the Lord, how can I bring the ark of God home to me? See, David knew what God wanted. He had the vision. He was a visionary. And we know the what. But sometimes what David needed wasn't the what that was settled in his heart. He needed the how. And if the what is the vision, this is what we're going to do. The how is the wisdom of how to get there. How do we do it? And I'm praying for you this morning that it's settled in your heart that you know that you know that you know what God wants to do. He wants to bring His presence into the centrality of the people of Christchurch. He doesn't want it just to be some fringe thing that we talk about every now and again or that makes the media in a negative way. But He wants this presence, His reality to come into our city into this city. And so wisdom is how. Jesus is the way, Mr. Way. He's like the ways of God. He's the wisdom of God. And so David begins to pray, how can we bring this home? And how many know the fear of the Lord that David enters into that time is the beginning of what? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so David enters into a three-month heightened season of the fear of the Lord, which means that the wisdom is going to come into his world. I want to give you one quick uh, example of his three months of prayer, of how he's praying. And then I'm going to talk some more. (laughs) He enters into fasting. He enters into the fear of the Lord. He enters, David enters into three months of ravenous seeking the Lord. And let me just read Psalms 132 to give you an example of the kinds of prayers that he's praying as he's so desperately seeking answers. And this is... um, This is Psalm 132, verse 1. Remember, O Lord, on David's behalf, all his affliction, how he swore to the Lord 
and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, surely, listen to this, I will not enter my house nor lie on my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids. I'm like, in other words, God, I'm prepared to sacrifice some sleep for this. I'm prepared to sacrifice some comfort for this. I'm seeking something from you and I'm going to get it in the fear of the Lord. Until, verse 5, until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. He's seeking for this place for the Lord. Behold, we heard of it in Ephrathah. We found it in the field of Jah. Speaking of the ark, the field of Jah was on the borders of Judah. That's where the ark was. They found it under the outskirts of the town. Let us, verse 7, let us go into his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, to your resting place, you and the ark of your strength. He's longing for the ark of God to come back. And then finally, After praying and fasting, David becoming a skinny man because he's going after something. I honestly, we need to go after something. We need to go after something. There is more for us. There is so much more. And I'm seeing the desire for the more on some of you, just as I'm speaking right now. And David went, went after this, and he, he actually got it. He began to discover, oh my goodness, and he, he began to discover some of the solution. Now, this took David three months. I'm going to give it to you in a sermon, and I've just been talking to you about it for about five minutes. So how many know I'm going to give you what cost David pretty much his whole life in 10 minutes for free. (laughs) So I'm cheapening it a little. I'm I'm afraid of that. But how many know um, grace is free, but it will cost you everything. And so after three months in the fear of the Lord, praying one prayer, which I've been praying for more than three months. How do we bring the ark of God? How do we bring your presence? How do we bring your presence home to us? How do we bring your presence home to us? How, God? How do we bring your presence home to us? How? This is what he comes up with. We skip through one chapter. We go into verse 15 and we read this. Uh, Verse 15. uh, Sorry, Chapter 15, verse 1. Now David built houses for himself in the city of David. And he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Then David said, this is the revelation he got. No one, say no one. Is to carry the ark of God, but the Levites. For the Lord chose, say chose. Them to carry the ark of God. And to minister to him forever. You see, the ark, David discovered that it could not be carried on the back of the cart and the ox. You see, the ox represented in that agricultural society where everything relied on the harvest for sustenance and food. The ox represented the great, it was like the greatest 
tractor in an agricultural society you could ever. It was the pinnacle. It was the pinnacle representation of works. It was the pinnacle representation of everything that you needed to survive and be prosperous in that society. It was the best deal. It was the shiny tractor, so to speak. Are there any farmers in the house? No. Yes. Praise God for you guys. Well, the ox was the most important thing. But David discovered, even though it was shiny and new and the best thing ever, that the ark of God could not be carried on the back of anything that symbolized or represented works. He discovered that the ark of God could only be carried by one thing. No one can carry the ark of God except the Levites. And these were the ones who were sons who simply by the singular qualification of their birthright were born into a family of priests. Sons who only had one qualification. We were born into a family of priests. That was their qualification. And that's all that they could do. And in fact, God wanted nothing between humanity and Him. He had to be carried on the shoulders of His people. And there was to be no mediary between Himself and His people. He had to be carried on the shoulders of the humanity that He created. No one can carry the ark, except for sons and a family of priests. Now, how many know the Levitical priesthood is abolished? Just read the book of Hebrews, talk to Gideon. He knows his theology really well, right? But we are in a priesthood. Come on. You are born as a son born as a daughter into a, not a Levitical priesthood, but a kingdom of priests, a kingdom priesthood. God wanted nothing between Him being carried and humanity. God and humanity need to kiss. In fact, this was the only way, God's way, the only way was he had to be carried into the city on the shoulders of humanity. Sons and daughters and a priesthood. Now, I'm speaking right now to sons and daughters in a holy priesthood. Divine presence touching humanity. Nothing in between God and humanity. And any works to make up for a sense of unworthiness or needing to perform or whatever, there was to be nothing like that. So, in the year 2019, a priesthood remains. When you accepted Christ into your heart, guess what? You accepted the royal priest into your heart and you have been infused as a person with a priestly call. Oh, Andy, I'm just a mum. 
no, 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 you're not just a mum. You're a mum who was a priest. And you have a priestly role to bring the presence of God into your family, to bring it into the centrality of your city. Oh, Andy, Andy, I'm just a businessman. No, 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 no. You're not just a businessman. You have a priestly role as a business person to bring the very presence, the ark of God's presence into your business and all of the employees being affected by the very presence of God. And there is no other way. David discovered after three months that there is no other way. It must be carried, the presence on the shoulders of humanity. Oh, Andy, I'm not worthy enough. I, 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 Andy, oh my goodness, I who am I to touch God? Who am I to carry God? Who are you not to carry God? Because, let me just think about this. I want you to think about this. Let me ask you this. So the ark's at Obed-Edom's house, right? Right beside, over the other side of the road, maybe the memorial stone of the death of Uzzah. And so after three months, can you imagine as a leader, David, Catherine, Gideon, like, can you imagine as a leader? Oh my goodness, you find the answer. <gasps> that ark that destroyed Uzzah, um, that needs to be carried by people. Oh gosh, David's like, I'm going to have to ask these people to carry that thing. And like, do you think like the high, like the priests, the priests, when David said, hey guys, you know, I've got some news for you. I found the answer. I've been asking, how do we bring the ark of God home to us? And I figured it out. It's you. <laughs> do you think they're like, oh, yay. Oh, you know, what an amazing job. Wow, we get to just skip on down and carry the presence of the Lord. And How many know when David was sharing that news with them, they were like, gulp. What? You're asking us to carry the very presence of the Lord? The same presence that struck Uzzah? You mean this, the God that parted the Red Sea? The God that split the Jordan River? The God that defeated enemy after enemy, army after enemy, army. You, uh, you're asking us to carry what? Yeah, I'm asking you to carry that. And then as they, as they march on down to Obed-Edom's house and they walk past the memorial stones of Obed-Edom, of, of Uzzah, aha, Where, where, as they walk into the house, you're trying to tell me they didn't need to wrestle through some internal insecurity issues of, oh my goodness, maybe I haven't prayed enough. Oh my goodness, maybe I haven't fasted enough. Oh my goodness, maybe I'm not cleansed enough from my sin. Oh my, oh, whoa, 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 this is freaking me out. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. What would have happened if those priests had have acted on those thoughts of, I'm not good enough to carry this? 
You see, the ark had made it from the outskirts and was halfway in. Yet David was not satisfied with the presence halfway. He wanted it all the way. But if those priests had have listened to those lies, no presence carriers, no presence coming into the centrality of the city. Did you hear me on that? Back then. No priests to carry the presence. No sons in the family of priests to carry the presence. No presence coming into Zion Hill. That was back then, but what happens in the year 2019? If the priesthood of God, the sons and daughters in this family, of king, this kingdom family say, who am I to carry your presence? Not good enough. Haven't prayed enough. Don't feel worthy enough. No presence carriers. No presence coming into the central, center of city. It's very quiet in here. The only way is people carrying his presence. Holy Spirit. Typical thoughts that we hear. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy for this. Who am I to do this? So God doesn't have Levitical priests anymore. But just turn to your neighbor. He's got your neighbor and he's got you. A family of believing priests just simply born into the right family line. And I'm here to tell you, friends, if you said yes to Christ, you are born into the right family line. You're a son. You're a daughter. It's by, it's by qualification of just simply being born to the, into the kingdom of heaven where you are a holy priesthood. Um, right. Who are you to carry the presence of God? Who are you not to carry the presence of God? And we do not bow to the sin of unbelief. And Andy, isn't that, isn't that prideful to, to say that we can carry the very presence of the Lord? No. It's actually prideful to say that the cross of Jesus Christ was not good enough to give you the gift of incredible righteousness and be fully cleansed and be given this incredible gift and say, sorry, not good enough for me. I cannot, I cannot carry the presence of the Lord. You know, one of the reasons that you have been given this free gift from Him is that you have the privilege of hosting His presence and bringing it forth into cities, in this city in particular. Um, so, Humility is not agreeing with unworthiness. And humility is not agreeing with the tall poppy syndrome. Because humility is, you know what, God? You say this about me, 
I'm going to be humble and I'm going to accept what you say about me. That's what humility is. Choosing to believe how the Lord speaks over you. In other words, I am who you say I am. I am chosen. You've been chosen. Not forsaken. And you are who He says you are. And He says over you, you're my beloved son, my beloved daughter. I have given you such a gift of cleansing and righteousness that you now are free and privileged to carry my very presence. Right. So I have an amazing quote. Uh, You would have heard this before. Um, It's by Marianne Williamson, Nelson Mandela. Um, he quoted it in one of his speaks, speeches. Um, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, Who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. When you get, say, to the tall poppy syndrome, you know what? I'm not going to bow to you. You know what? You're not just some cultural thing that I need to put up with. You know what? You're a demon spirit with a, forged in murder and oppression. I'm saying no to you. I'm going to rise as a tall poppy. I'm going to rise as a tall poppy. I'm going to rise as a son. I'm going to rise as a daughter. I'm going to rise as a presence carrier. I'm actually going to believe. I'm actually going to believe that I am who you say I am. Do you know, as you rise, you give permission for others to rise. As you rise into greatness, you step into creating a culture of others to be great. And so we are, we had this powerful time with our leaders um, earlier on this year on a Tuesday night. We had our American friends coming over and they said to us, you know, we've heard about this thing called the tall poppy syndrome. And um, we, don't, we don't get that, you, you know, because how many know in America, for some reason, you're just allowed to be awesome. You know, you're like, you've been there, right? You're allowed to be awesome in America. What? How come we're not allowed to be awesome in New Zealand? Well, I'm saying this. You are allowed to be awesome in New Zealand. 
And we stood up on our chairs. I'm not saying these look quite new. We stood up on our chairs as a declaration that we will rise as tall poppy syndrome. And the power of God, man, the power of God just began to, the power of God just began to fall as we made a prophetic declaration that, you know what? I will rise. I'm a presence carrier. I've got what it takes to make a difference. I will make a difference. In my rising gives permission for others to rise. Jesus articulated it so well in Matthew 6. He said, let your light so shine before mankind that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. In other words, if you don't shine, the Father doesn't receive the glory. Let me prophesy over you right now. You're standing strong. Father, I thank you for the people of Christchurch. I thank you for awakening, a spirit of awakening. I thank you, God, that if there's no presence carriers, there's no presence carried into cities. But Lord, here, there are presence carriers. There are people that choose to believe God. They choose to ask God, how can we bring your presence, Lord? And you bring the answers. They're actually praying the right prayers, the kind of prayers, Lord, that are big prayers. Father, to see a nation, to see a city rising, God, I just prophesy into your worth and say, you have got what it takes to make a difference. I give you permission from the front, not that it was mine to give. It was not my permission to give, but I'm just doing it anyway, that you have permission to shine. You have permission to rise. You have permission to be great. You have permission to be great on the inside. Smith Wigglesworth said, I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. But you have permission to shine big and go hard and release God. Be bright, be a tall poppy, rise into a massive oak tree, rise into a massive kahikatea, rise into a massive Cody tree. You've got what it takes for this. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I feel like the Holy Spirit's about to crash in. Let's just begin to ask for the Holy Spirit to come. Come, come on this as a prophetic declaration. No, stay standing, stay standing. Stay standing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let me just... Uh, Father, thank You for Your presence. Father, thank You that You are not the God that says, hey, just, just calm down a little bit. Just, hey... Hey, don't try and be more special than your friends. You're not like that, God. And Lord, I know what it's like to grow up in this nation and to suffer and have the pain of this demonic, tall poppy thing that I have to wrestle through all of the time. And Lord, I'm sure that there are people in this room that feel the same way and know what I'm talking about where they didn't want to rise up above their friends because they were afraid to be mocked and be pulled back down again to the line of mediocrity. But Father, I'm asking that the line of mediocrity would be destroyed in the name of Jesus and that there'd be permission by the Spirit of God to rise above that in Jesus Christ's name. Holy Spirit. Yeah, so right now, just lift up your hands. Holy Spirit, we receive commissioning to shine. We receive commissioning to be liberated from the tall poppy syndrome. We receive commissioning to carry your presence, Lord, which starts with receiving your presence.
And we can receive your presence when we understand how loved we are and how valuable we are to you. And so right now, Father, just speak over your people. You are so valuable to me. You are not called to just be dust, but to be like a shining diamond. You are a jewel and a treasure to me. You're valuable, important to me. And because of your value, I want to show you off to the world. Because of your value, I want you to shine, shine, and let the power of God just just begin to, Holy Spirit, just come over you. Let's, uh, hallelujah, how do I do this without causing massive damage to people's bodies? You better go down. You better go down. Holy Spirit, for those of you, let me do this. Let me have someone on the keys, please, just for... Just for, I'll just, maybe we'll close, but I'll just call those that want to come forward. But, um, hey, Andy, you know, I know what it is to have a dream for something great, but then to find that subtle, mocking thing where it's like, who are you to, who are you to go do that? And I've, I've felt the pain of that. I felt the shame of that. And that thing has limited me. And, you know, one of the things that I'm personally speaking of for myself is um, I don't like it when people are in pain around me. But I had to wrestle through, um, you know, people being jealous of me. And um, I don't want to inflict pain. (laughs) So I would cap my light. I just kept my light. I wouldn't shine so bright, shine at maybe 70% because I didn't want people hurt around me from jealousy. But how many know that is so wrong? And that's not my job to manage someone else. It's their job to deal with your light. It's their job for how they choose to respond to your light. You're free from that. And the Lord wants you to shine. And in fact, your shining might be the very breakthrough that helps them to step up into their shining. And so don't cap your light for anyone. But some of you in this room, you know what it feels like to be mocked for believing God for good things through your own life. And so I want to give an altar call for you today. And I want to pray for you that you would just awaken to the very fact that you have the privilege of being a son, a daughter, who's called to shine and shine His presence into our city. So if that's you, just begin to make your way forward. If that's you, just begin to make your way forward. You know what it's like. You know that you wrestle through this yourself. Holy Spirit, I'm going to need some some catches. There's quite a quite a there's quite a lot holy spirit i love your hunger i honor your hunger i really do i honor your hunger let me just um let me start with the father speaking over you the father comes he's in the room by the spirit of god and he says as i was creating you something like this i won't get the exact words right i'm just 
doing my best to represent Papa. He'd be saying something like this. When I created you, I was dreaming of you. I was dreaming of you and my dreams for you. They outnumbered the grains of sand on all the seashores. And I fearfully and wonderfully made you as I was knitting you together in your mother's womb. And of the myriad of dreams that I had for you, none of them were for you to be small. None of them were for you to cap the light that I gave you as a gift. My child, I long for you to shine. My child, I, I created you to shine brightly. And you don't need to cap your light for anyone. And as, as you shine, that shining shines on those ones that are afraid of your shining. And they begin to light up. And you have permission to be bright. You have permission because you're so valuable to me. When I have a precious jewel, my child, I don't hide it like I would dirt or dust. I don't run around the house trying to tidy up the dirt and hide, hide you. But I have a light and I've called to not cover it, but unveil it so that it lights up the whole house. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. And so right now, Father, can I just have someone just following me? Holy Spirit. And so right now, Lord, I just release such a permission to carry the very presence of the Lord and to receive of the worth that is all yours. There it is, the power of God. Holy Spirit, yeah, it's on you too. It's it's time for you to shine. You're the talents and the giftings that the Lord has placed within you. He is bringing forth. He says, I never designed you that your talents and your giftings would only stay on the inside of you and frustrate you. But I have called you that you would enter into your very dreams. And we ain't seen nothing yet for you. And here's my power right now to just come into your dreams and and like light them up. In Jesus' name, light them up in the name of the Lord. Father, yep. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Let's just pray this prayer. Let's just uh, repeat this after me. Say, say, Father, say, Father, I'm created in your image. You shine. I choose to shine. I choose to not hold back my light. I choose to rise. I say no to the trauma from Tall Poppy. That will not define me. I am defined exclusively by you. Thank you, God. Receive, 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 receive. Receive the light, receive the light. Papa. Some of us have been so hurt by the tall poppy, like it's like a dagger to the heart when it's one of your friends, a close friend, or even a parent, or a sibling.
And uh, there's healing in the room right now. Healing in the room. The Lord's healing, healing, healing. Spirit of the Lord. Spirit of the Lord. Carry my presence. 